going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Abundant Journey podcast. Thanks for jumping in with us today. As always, I'm your host, Nick James, along with Nick Offenkamp. Nick, how are you? I'm doing really well. Super excited about our guest, who I'll let you give a full intro, but I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since you lined the interview up. So uh, why don't you uh, let us know who we have the pleasure of sitting down with today? Yeah, absolutely. So Darren Buckland is here in the Northwest in the Portland metro area. He is a business broker. He's a wealth of knowledge. He spent many, many years in corporate America building systems and really spending time working his way up the ladder. And then he had a light bulb moment a few years ago and decided he wanted to be a business owner. So we're really excited to hear about his journey, what got him going in his story, and the things that he is uh, working hard to build. So excited to have him on. Darren, you've always been super great at the conversations we've had. You've always been gracious with your time. So thanks for being on. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I did. I gave a little prelude to your story, but tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and kind of a day in the life of you, and then we're going to jump backwards and go more into your story from the past. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, currently, as as you alluded, Nick, I'm currently the owner of uh, Transworld Business Advisors of Portland and Transworld Business Advisors of Vancouver. We are a business brokerage and franchise consulting firm and real estate um, agency here, um, primarily serving the Portland Metro, Beaverton, um, Hood River, um, also Recently, we just expanded out to the Oregon coast as well, and then also southwest Washington and Clark County. No, and that's great. I know you're, you know, in your short few years that you've been doing this, you've had some really rapid expansion. Now, I know that business brokerage is, on the surface, it it seems pretty straightforward, but there's a lot that you guys do, and the industry as a whole is a little bit newer. We've spent quite a bit of time with real estate folks on the podcast. So tell us what your team is doing. Tell us what you guys specialize in. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an interesting. It, it is a young younger industry, and um, we are all licensed real estate brokers, but we distinguish ourselves from we're, we're not realtors in the sense that we our process is similar, yet it's, it's quite different. Um, you know, we work with business owners. We're often working with people that have had long careers and, and you know, they have a, invested a lot of time and, and effort into building a business. They have a lot of confidential information that we're, we're dealing with and a lot of intellectual property. Um, so our process is very confidential and, you know, we don't use the MLS. We don't advertise on the same traditional resources that, that a real estate agency may um, we're, and we're really dealing with the entrepreneur target market. So we really have a whole different target market that we're dealing with. Um, even if it's a commercial property, they're typically dealing with investors um, that are in that market. So we work with individual entrepreneurs, um, corporations, um, private equity groups, family offices. Those are all our, our customers. Um, and primarily the number one reason people are selling today is retirement. Um, the second reason is burnout. And um, third is really a combination of the two. So, yeah, um, my background has been in senior health care and I've, I've worked in primarily managing continuing care retirement communities. And then I've done a few other things in healthcare as well. Um, but now I've kind of shifted that to still working with seniors in a way, but um, just earlier on in the process. So. <laughs> 
That's awesome. And, uh, you know, at any given time, just kind of curious about um, how many businesses you have listed or how many transactions you have going at a time, as well as what's the approximate size of your team? Right now we have seven brokers on our team. Um, I actually just hired three more that are um, working on their real estate license. Um, We're a little bit unusual. You know, we don't, all of our brokers have strong business backgrounds. Many of them have been business owners themselves. Um, So we, we've all had to go and take the real estate training and and become real estate brokers um, along with that. So typically when I hire somebody, it takes a while for the onboarding process for them to get through the real estate training and get their license and, and we do have yeah. quite an extensive training to get them onboarded and, and trained as well to be a business broker. Um, so we have quite an extensive um, competency measure, if you will, um, yeah. that, that we take all of our brokers through. That's awesome that the team is growing. I mean, that's that's huge to grow it from four to seven uh, right now. It kind of suggests that, uh, that the demand for uh, your services is high, which is great. Yeah, well, here in a few months, we'll be at um, 11 business brokers. Um, wow, wow. So we, and, and we do primarily Main Street business sales, uh, all the way up to upper middle market business sales. So we sell everything from you know, the $50,000 coffee shop to our largest sale has been just under uh, $50 million. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a nice range, though. I mean, 50K to 50 million, that covers yeah. uh, a whole lot of ground. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's awesome. Primarily, we work with a lot of individual entrepreneurs, and our sweet spot is you know businesses that range in the three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar price range. You know, there's a lot of demand in that area. Um, those yeah. businesses tend to yield a good profit for individual owners, and um, you know, also yield a good EBITDA or SDE. Um, and there's just a really good you know good cash flow, um, so easy to get SBA lending on those kind of businesses. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, and thank you for kind of giving the rundown. I know we're going to get more into a day in the life later on and maybe some ways folks can learn more about you guys and the industry and, and, you know, some of those relationships. But I'm curious, you know, let's go back further into your story, because like you mentioned, you were in the adult care facility space for quite a while and you were, you've been in that industry for most of your career, but you made a transition into this. I mean, this is like polar opposite in a sense where you're, you're brokering the sales of businesses and working with entrepreneurs. So let's go back further and we can go back as far as you want. I mean, if you want to start with a early family life talking about family members being entrepreneurs or maybe your journey into entrepreneurship started much later, take it, take it where you want. <laughs> well, you're right. It, it's, it really started, I, I think, young. Um, I grew up on a farm, so my, my father, looking back, I, I didn't realize, I guess, when I was a kid, how entrepreneurial he was. But um, so, so I think there's a lot of um, entrepreneurism that I got from my father. You know, and I, when I was going to school, there was no such, no such program as entrepreneurship, which I think is great now that there's those kind of programs in, in colleges and universities. But, um, you know, I you know, I just, um, I guess I, th- I think I just learned the value of hard work and, and you know, taking risks and, and challenges and, and just doing what you need to do um, to, you know, figure things out and continue to move forward. As a, uh, as a kid, did you have any sort of entrepreneurial endeavors early on, like whether that was uh, selling 
candy bars to neighbors. You no, know, we sold uh, sweet anything. corn along the side of the road. Um, that was always our our summer summer project. It was always the fun thing. We used to sell sweet corn to raise money to buy fireworks or something like that. You know, it's, it's the crazy things we did as kids. But um, so yeah, that was always the highlight of our summer. Um, growing the sweet mm. corn and selling it, and you know, we we ended up getting quite the name. So. By about the fourth year we did that, we would get calls from people, you know, um, lining up their orders. So we would we would um, <laughs> we'd be out there early in the morning getting getting our sweet corn all lined up and and um, ready to sell. So, but no, I That's think awesome. Nick, um, we... <clears throat> you know, and, and I had a I had a teacher too in high school that was um, a business teacher, and I I, I spent a couple of years taking some business classes in, even in high school, and, and and I did an internship, and and then in college, I you know my focus was actually in psychology, and my plan was to become an industrial psychologist, and, and I majored in that in business, and I, I really um after school I, I kind of went into the clinical side of things for a little while, but found I was I found more interest in the administrative pieces, and I I switched, and that's when I I worked for about 25 years as a healthcare administrator. And in that role, I was able to really, really um, have the opportunity to manage multiple different businesses and different types of businesses. And, and um, I always found the creative aspect of operating businesses really, really um, exciting. Well, and if, if you can administer in a healthcare system, I think you can administer anywhere. I, I, I can think of few things as complicated as, uh, Healthcare, and uh, especially in terms of running it as a business, there are so many moving pieces there. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. And Nick, we'll have to add the uh, the sweet corn selling as a. So it's amazing the entrepreneurs that we talk with. Um, it seems like consistently everyone has something that they sold as a kid or some some way that they were flexing that entrepreneurial muscle. You're the first one though that was selling sweet corn. <laughs> That's an amazing hustle and very Minnesotan. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which is amazing. I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, as you're talking about these early years, we've not, we've not jumped in and talked about that in our past conversation. So I love hearing some of those stories. You mentioned that you learned hard work and that seems to go hand in hand with farm life and some of those those types of jobs, but I'm curious, what are some other lessons along your journey in those early years that really helped you maybe, maybe in the medical field, but also, you know, maybe, maybe with what you're doing now. I mean, I I think some of those habits and some of those lessons we learn from either parents or family members or people, mentors, you know, those carry with us. So what, what were some of those early lessons aside from just working hard? Well, I think the you can work hard, but I think the, the biggest lesson is working smarter, you know, and realizing you only have so much time in a day and um, really evaluating how, how you're spending that time and making the most productive use and really, you know, the value that you have and um, mm-hmm. prioritizing. And I, I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is you, you're only going to be able to get so much done yourself and you really need to be able to, um, hire the right people and, and delegate and, and spend the time, but spend your time on the right things and um, that, that are going to advance your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have some sort of examples of kind of, as you were either going through school or um, even in your 25 years of healthcare administration, where that lesson became really, really clear to you? 
I think as you become a business owner, it really stands out, you know, because sure. you're, you're, you're it. And um, mm-hmm. you've, you've only got so much time, as I said, but um, you've got to do the right things and spend your time on doing the things that are going to really drive business. And, um, and I think identifying you know, where you need to spend your time at the, at the right uh, moment of the business life to help, to help you scale your business. That's so true. It's such a mindset shift from um, when you're working and making a salary or an hourly wage. And there it's kind of like, well, if I'm really productive, I make X amount. And if I'm not productive, I still make X amount. But when you well, step into the world also, of... You know, leveraging technology, it's, it's yeah. leveraging your, your resource, all your resources combined. And um, yeah. you know, really also making sure that you have uh, the ability to understand your market and your competition and you know, all those things combined are really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I think um, also, you know, one of the things I see is marketing. You know, marketing, um, I, I think a lot of businesses don't spend a lot of time and effort on marketing. For some, it ha- happens organically, but um, there's so much growth opportunity out there, I think, for for people to spend more time just, you know, just doing basics. Um, and so we, we spend a lot of time marketing, building relationships. And, um, you know, it's really valuable to, has really helped us um, accelerate our business. Um, just being really strategic about our marketing strategy and our approach. I think that's huge. And I think that's something that's oftentimes underscored with business owners and you're, you're living in that space. I'm living in that space as a banker, obviously. And so I think that's a really good point. You know, there's, there's multiple pieces that go into this recipe of growing and being successful. And it's interesting, you're, you're on one hand, you're a business owner who's having to learn and implement all of those things. But then on the same time, you're consulting and advising other business owners on that. And so I think that's an advantage for you. But uh, at the same time, it's something that you're getting to live and grow and, and, and kind of push through as well. Well, let me back up just a little bit here. So 25 years in the industry that you were in, and then you decided to make the change. Most folks, I would imagine, 25 years in are not thinking about making a big change. They're not They're not going to completely pivot. So was it like you woke up one morning and had an idea, or you had heard about this and wanted to learn? I mean, what? walk us through kind of the journey there. No, I think for me that it was corporate politics that that was my motivation. I, I in the corporate world, I was just at the point that I was I was kind of in a position that was very frustrating, and um, I I was unable to really um, feel like I was making a difference anymore. So I um, had an opportunity to I I actually didn't even know that business brokers existed um, actually at the time, and I was introduced to this field and. And um, so I did my research, and um, um, I, you know, I, I had an opportunity. I had some – the corporate position that I was in was eliminated, and so my whole team was laid off. The company I worked for um, made, this, made these huge cutbacks. So I, I had some time to I – I had a good severance package, so it really was – for me, it was a good opportunity and I've, I've always wanted to do my own business. And um, at that point in my life, I, I was getting older, obviously. I felt like if I didn't do it now, I, would, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so that, that was, for me, the, the moment that I just decided to move forward with this. And it was something I 
I, I enjoy businesses. I, you know, I enjoyed the creativity of all, all different types of businesses and learning. And so this provided me the opportunity to do all those things. I, I love that. It, well, I love the, the fact that you've jumped into something you enjoy. And I can see as you were a system creator and as you built teams, all of that has translated directly over to what you're doing now. So it was like 25 years of training ground. But it's it's interesting too, you know, we we try to be delicate on this show in balancing like there's a place for corporate America, there's a need for corporate America, but there's and with anything there's the pros and the cons. But what you're speaking of directly talks to the fact that hey, you know, the classic mindset of I'm going to get a really good salary and I'm going to be established and I'm going to have a reputation. And then in the blink of an eye, that can be gone. And so a lot of times we encourage folks, you know, maybe you really enjoy your, your existing salary, your existing career, but have other options as well. Don't just have all your, all your, your eggs in one basket. And so I think, you know, it's, it's good to hear these kinds of stories, not at your expense, but it's look at what it's propelled you into something you love and something that you can provide value to the the market and provide value to, you know, the business owners. So what an incredible thing, but it also is a very stark reminder that, uh, you know, that's, that's the risk you take when you have that W2 type of job. Yeah. No, for me, it was the best thing that happened. Um, you know, it really propelled me into this opportunity and, and, um, and, you know, I, I love it. It's, it's totally me. This is what I, what I'm doing now. And I, I really encourage people. And as I work with business owners and business buyers to really look at opportunities that are really going to, that they're really going to enjoy work is so much a part of our life. You know, it's how mm-hmm. we spend so much of our time um, working. And um, so why be in a miserable position when you have so many opportunities out there doing, doing things you love? Mm. Totally. Is, is that something, you know, obviously the, the catalyst that forced the change was the, the elimination of the role. Is that something you wanted to do before and never found yourself doing? And I'm curious, maybe just speaking to a younger crowd of our audience and say like, what what encouragement would you offer to somebody who maybe is thinking about it, but there's kind of that fear and that weighing the pros and cons and I'm, you know, maybe just speak to that after having lived through it. Yeah, I think I can remember it's, it's you know, as I, it's, you're certainly comfortable in a position that, that you take home a paycheck from week to week and you have a high paying, a good paying job, but you also lack the flexibility and the ability to be creative. And, um, and certainly it's, it's a scary, it's a scary time to take the, to take the jump and take the leap, but you just have to do it. You just have to, um, have the, the confidence in yourself that, that you've got the abilities and, and, um, apply your skills and, and, um, you're just, you're going to have ups and downs and challenges and failures and, but all those failures result in at the end of the day, they're, they're great because you're, you're learning all the time and you're making changes and, and you can rebound from those things easily. So it's just, um, having the, having the audacity or the, I guess the, the confidence in your, in your own abilities and, um, just keep moving forward. Hmm. What did that look like for you when you, uh, made the transition? I mean, it's, um, it's, 
It's funny. Well, to I was stepping great, into a whole new it, into a whole new realm of something I had not done before. So just you know, I, I had to learn, just learning. At, yeah. but, but again, I enjoy learning. So for me, that was that was exciting. Um, but then setting up the systems. Um, and and I, so when I started my business, I, I worked for about a year myself, just working, learning the process, working the process, getting our systems in place. And then I started gradually hiring hiring out additional brokers to work with me. Um, so it re- really provided me the opportunity to make those mistakes, and then I could start start utilizing that experience to to, to make sure other people <laughs> didn't fall into the same mistakes that I made. Um, but certainly, we, we we continue to do that, and we continue to learn. Every deal we do is a totally different um, process. Um, we're always learning something new. That's cool. Was there ever a point during that first year, especially as you were running solo and where the learning curve was the steepest, where you were like, uh, I'm not going to do this. I'm going back to a corporate job. Yeah. Oh, not, not the corporate job, but, okay. um, certainly there are days where, you know, you just wake up in the morning and you're like, well, that's a new day. It, it's, we're yeah. starting over, you know, because of something that may have happened or, some setback yeah. that you may have experienced or, you know, so you just need to continue to, you know, it's, it's an, you, you, like I said, you have, an, you have another opportunity to learn from the past and, and just keep, keep moving forward. Hmm. Sure. I, I'm curious to, you know, we talk with a lot of our guests and the education piece continues to be very pivotal in their journeys Another big one we hear a lot of is mentors and folks that help us grow and get uh, further than maybe we we realize we can be or, you know, learning what's possible. So, you know, not even necessarily just specifically to Transworld and what you're doing there, but maybe that that's the first thing that does come to mind. Along your journey, who've been some instrumental people for you and, and what are some of the lessons you've learned from them? I think some of them have been other supervisors I've had along the way, um, that really, that really, um, admired, um, people that I've, I've learned a lot from in my career and, um, you know, have, have really taught me a lot of good lessons in terms of how to, and and really at the end of the day, it's the, you know, it's the basics. It's, it's, but it's being really consistent and, um, you know, but, but being, uh, going back to the basics that, that work. You know, and, and I think that sometimes we can get really kind of out of our out of our realm and trying new things and doing things. But um, when you know something works, well, you know, why change it? And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've had I don't I, there's not a like one person that stands out. I think I've had a lot of people that have contributed a, a little bit of some advice, a little bit of something along the way that have all com- combined to to help shape you know, my, my work that I'm currently doing today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to maybe get more, uh, practical with the work that you're doing today. You talked about, um, representing, uh, businesses that are, you know, 50 K to 50 million. Um, and then that sweet spot being the businesses that are kind of valued around 300 to 500 K. Um, I'm curious about one, how you find those business owners and uh, what that looks like in building those relationships. And then I'm also curious about uh, how you find buyers. And then 
the, the third piece of that is how you go about the matchmaking between business owner and buyer. Well, it truly is a matchmaking. And whenever we, whenever we, we close a deal, we always feel like it's a miracle because it's, <laughs> it's often a, a, a long process. You know, selling businesses yeah. is probably one of the longest sales cycles out there. You know, when people mm. come to us and want to sell their business, but, you know, typically on average, it's about an eight-month process. And, um, you know, in terms of finding, you asked how we find businesses and, and really it's building relationships with business owners and um, doing a lot of outreach directly to the businesses in our communities. Um, our, you know, our whole team, you know, we kind of conquer and divide and, and really get to know other business owners, but also other um, advisors, you know, attorneys, accountants, business um, advisors, coaches, um, bankers. We, we have relationships with all those people that are collaboratively working with businesses. And, you know, we advise that for every business owner that they have a really good team um, supporting them. You know, it, whether it be, you know, a financial advisor is really critical, but also the, the attorney, the CPA. But, but you know, I come from healthcare where everything is a really an interdisciplinary approach with, the, with our clients or our, res, our patient in the center. And I kind of take that same approach to business. And you know, we really can't do this ourselves. We really need the advice of those professionals combined together and you know, to not be afraid to reach out and seek their, their knowledge and wisdom and um, really apply their, the use of them whenever you need to. In the long run, it may, it may cost you a little bit of money, but in the long run, it's going to save you and it's going to really help you yeah. propel and grow your business as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think you're right. Well, and and a few maybe a few follow up questions too. As as we we just I think we love uh, Nick and I have been in the space of looking at buying businesses, and I think that is seeming to be a newer darling of investment opportunities or folks wanting to make a shift. Uh, there's a lot of noise right now around leaving the W two and kind of grabbing the reins and and running a business. So. So maybe putting you on the spot a little bit here on some of these questions, but wh- what would you say is the benefits of like buying a business versus starting a business? Because there's a lot of creative people out there who say, well, I'm just going to start XYZ. What's some advantages you tell people on buying versus starting? Well, you have the benefits of a proven business model. You know, when, when you're buying a business versus starting, you know, they've already made those mistakes. They've already, they've already created those systems. They've already have the employees in place, the processes, the policies, procedures. You know, they've got a proven location. Um, they've got a proven product. Um, you know exactly how that business has performed and what, what, what they've done. And then also from there, you can, you can add your own um, creativity to, to, to change the business model and, and shape it to be more of what what you want it to be, um, whether that be adding additional product lines or services or um, continue to expand and just replicate that business, but in other areas, um, whether that be franchising the business, um, there's a lot of growth opportunity there, but it certainly excels, accelerates your your um, ability to grow and um, versus starting from scratch, there's a lot less risk involved in, in buying a business versus um, starting from mm-hmm. scratch. Yeah. 
No, I think that that's I think that's good, and I think that definitely coincides with some of the stuff that I've heard. I mean, statistically, they say what ninety percent of business startups fail. So if you can step into a proven, established working system that's been humming along, and there's opportunities to grow it, what a what an awesome opportunity in that. What another question for you here? How focused do you think? do buyers need to get and be? Do they need to really narrow down specific industries or specific businesses they want to buy? Curious of your maybe experience when you're talking with potential buyers. You know, it's interesting to me. That's one of the things I found fascinating is how many people really don't know what they want. And, you know, they, they, they want a business, but, um, and also, um, (laughs) The other thing is how many people come to us thinking they want a specific type of business, but end up buying something totally different. I, think I found that fascinating as well. Um, you know, it's it's really at the end of the day, what I try to get people to do is really set their goals. And I think people sometimes have a hard time doing that. Um, they have a lot of competing things going on in their lives, and it's sometimes hard to really establish those goals, but it really starts there. In terms of you know just what size of how much money do they need to make and how much you know, are they expecting um, if it's a business if it's an investment opportunity what 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 kind of return are they expecting on that investment and just starting with that and then um, depending upon what their role is if they're going to be an active if they, if they have an active role in, in operating the business or is this going to be a passive investment for them and so that all plays a role also in the, the type of business that they're they're, they're acquiring. So we spend a lot of time with our buyers, I guess, really to getting to know them, getting to understand what they're looking yeah. for, understand their goals. And you asked earlier about how we find buyers, and you know, we, we typically carry around 50, 60, 70 listings at a time. Um, so all of our buyers come through all their, their marketing that we do and advertising those businesses, and some just reach out to us. You know, they want our help in helping to find a business. Um, and we do do buy-side representation where you know, we may work with a company that's in acquisition mode that's seeking other businesses and um, quite often actually the most, the best businesses to buy are not on the market. So, you know, we will provide that service and to confidentially reach out to those other businesses that may be competitors. And um, from their perspective, they don't know, the the businesses don't know who's, who's in acquisition mode and who we're representing. Again, everything is highly confidential. so, so there's a few different um, different types of buyers, and there, there's a lot of individual buyers out there, and certainly there's a lot of um, resources as well. Like this buy sell, obviously, it's the number one um, place on, online where people, all, all businesses primarily are advertised on this buy sell. So, what we encourage individuals to do is is search that once they find an opportunity, then we can help them, and we can represent them in finishing the process, um, starting with the business valuation, really looking at the opportunity. Um, and then really helping them through, you know, making an offer and, and um, all the way up through transitioning that business with the uh, existing owner. It's an interesting point that you make about having 50 to 70 listings at a time, um, but not not all of those or maybe not even the majority of them make it uh, online um, to be uh, marketed on a, a site like BizBuySell, um, which really speaks then to the value of being connected with someone like your, yourself in terms of having access to the different um, businesses that are out there. Um, if, if all you're doing is looking at biz by sell, it sounds like you're really 
as a buyer, missing out on a lot of the opportunity um, that isn't publicly advertised. Yeah, Is absolutely. A, a, f- a fair uh, assessment and summary. Um, so for somebody who they're looking at biz by sell, but they've never owned a business before, they've never run a business before, um, do you want those folks to call you up if they've got an entrepreneurial dream? Or do you feel like there's some steps that they should be taking first uh, to develop some entrepreneurial skill before they even consider purchasing an existing business? What kind of things do you want to see in place? Well, certainly, I mean, it depends on also, you know, what their funding mechanism is, you know, because if they're going to buy a business um, to get a loan, uh, lenders are going to want to know know that they've got the capabilities to operate that business. They're going to look at, um, you know, do they have experience in that industry or or the management skills, uh, whatever it takes to to run that kind kind of business. And also the licensure involved, you know, depending on the type of industry it is, what type of license is required to operate that business. So certainly we look at all those things and we advise um, first, we, we do work with a lot of first-time buyers, actually, and we, we do spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring them. And, and sometimes we have people that are just not ready to buy a business. They're just, they just don't have the funds, the, the operating capital. Um, sometimes people just look at, you know, they, they feel like they have enough money to buy a business, but then they don't think beyond that. You know, you also have to have enough funds and resources to you know, really ideally have six six months at least of operating capital on hand um, and be prepared for the unexpected. So we're looking at, you know, are they going to be approved by the landlord or is the lender likely to approve them for a loan? Um, All those things factor into our vetting process when we look at, when we work with buyers. And it it may be that they're ready for a business. It may not be one that they inquired about initially, but maybe there's uh, another one that would be a better fit for them that we can direct them to. For sure. Do you have some um, examples of businesses that you see as being the ideal fit for a first time kind of younger entrepreneur that's uh, looking to get business ownership experience? Oh, wow. That's so buried by the individual. (laughs) Sure, sure. You know, it just really depends on their, you know, there's so many different businesses out there. But, you know, certainly the other option for first time buyers is franchises, actually. I mean, franchises Mm -hmm. are a good option for people. And, and really what we see in franchise sales are um, entrepreneurs, um, are not entrepreneurs, but corp- people coming out of corporate America that are accustomed to having a, a, a proven model um, and a lot of support and um, are, are really less risk adverse. And um, we really prefer to invest their money in a, an opportunity that feel, they feel like is going to be successful. Um, so, so franchises are good for those kinds of people. Obviously, on the other end of the spectrum, you have those risk, high risk takers that um, are super entrepreneurs, and um, you know it's it's really up to their own capabilities and their own their own knowledge and skills and creativity. Um, and there's some really creative people out there who who really developed some amazing business models. Yeah. And when it comes to financing, I mean, we touched on that a, a little bit, but. What are you seeing in terms of most uh, the ways that most business purchases are, are funded? Is most everything through a SBA loan or seller financing? How common is Com- that? Combination. Well, primarily through, we do a lot of work with the SBA. Um, okay. Majority of our, our deals are done with the SBA. And 
Um, however, with interest rates rising, we're actually doing a lot more seller financing. And um, sometimes sellers are more interested in seller financing just because of the tax benefits that they can also um, achieve. And you know, they're not getting the, the full business, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're taking on more risk. So it really depends on the, you know, they're doing a lot more vetting of the buyers. And, uh, but as long as we, we've got a great match, a very experienced buyer, Sellers are a lot more inclined to do seller financing than, than they have previously. And Darren, I can, I can speak to this as well a little bit, but I want to hear from you. I, just for our audience who's not familiar with SBA or what that is, do you want to maybe give a, a brief explanation? As a small business administration, who um, typically 7A loan products are what, what, they, what, what we utilize in, in a business transaction. Um, and typically, they're going to want to see at least 20% in cash down on the business. Um, you know, it's a lot different than when you're buying buying a house. You know, the, the SBA is going to look at the buyer and, and certainly their net worth, their credit, all, all those things. And, and, and then they're going to look at the business and see how well the business is cash flowing. And um, kind of put the two together to see, you know, what kind of risk they're really taking on as a, as a lender. And um, you know, they'll look at very holistically at the, the whole picture, you know, and really understand what what um, you know what the buyers are doing. Um, are they keeping their jobs? And in addition to buying the business, are they just are they leaving good paying jobs to buy the business in a job they've in a, in a operating a business that they've never had experience in before? Or, you know, is, is this a related business or is it a is it an acquisition, a second acquisition? You know, certainly there's a lot more favorable terms for those types of, um, you know, transactions. So there's a, there's a lot of variables that come into play, but it's really just at the end of the day, it's really the, the lenders looking at what kind of risk they're taking on. No, that's absolutely, you're, you're spot on. And again, I, being a lender, I, I'm familiar with SBA, but I don't know that our listeners are always are. And so I think it's good to hear what type of opportunities are out there because you, you hear, Hey, there's a business for sale. How do you, how do you pay for it? And what does that look like? So I'd encourage folks to definitely dive in a little bit more to that. Well, I want to, I want to transition to a few questions on the seller side and maybe just learn more about sellers and who those people are and provide value to our audience. But maybe one more question on the buyer side, We've talked about transitioning, being an entrepreneur, getting out of the W-2. Maybe in your own opinion or own you know, experience, why do you think buying a business is a great wealth building tool? Well, look at the markets today. What, what, better, what better return on your investment than a business? Um, um, you know, certainly, you're going to have investments in your business to grow it, but... Um, I think in comparison to a lot of the other options, I'm seeing a lot more people investing in businesses today than, than ever before um, as an investment tool. And um, I mean, it runs the gamut, but whether it be an individual entrepreneur that's going to be operating that business or a, an investor, um, I, think, I think there's a lot of opportunity in, in, in the value of, of owning a business, um, just just the cash flow it's generating. But as that business grows and you create the, the value in the business, once you once you come to sell that business again, you're going to be reaping the benefits. And certainly, our advice is anybody that's starting a business to operate that business like they're going to sell it and, and build it like you're you're going to sell it. Um, 
so it's take the steps, you know, so you're, you're not working in the business, but working on it at all times. And, um, you know, and, and really, um, operating it like it's a, like it's a huge investment. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and I think you're, you're spot on, you know, you and I both have been in this space working with business owners for years and the type of wealth, not only the, the consistent cash flow that if you run the business well and you have a good product or a good service, you know, the, the ability to make an, an amazing living, but also many times you talk about the ability to scale. And we also don't talk about the fact that you can do an exit, you know, once you've grown that business two, three, four, five times in revenue, and then may, it becomes more valuable. And so many times I've seen somebody else come along and want to buy it. And so the opportunity, I think, to create that generational wealth we talk about a lot on that on this show really is a byproduct of, you said it best, working on your business, maybe not in it every day, but building the systems, putting the right people in place, and growing something special. Absolutely. Well, let me let me transition here to to on that seller side, like I mentioned. So, just a couple questions and thinking about because you know, as a broker, you work with a lot of buyers and you try to play that matchmaker between buyer and seller. But really, on the paper, I think the the sellers are your clients. So you spend a lot of time with these folks as well. What what matters most to these people? You you mentioned that there's either burnout or retirement or some some of the biggest reasons people sell when, when folks are entertaining the idea of selling their business, what matters most to them when you're sitting, sitting across the table? Yeah. Um, what I see, one of the things that pops to my mind is, is, you know, they, they've spent a lot of time building their employees and, and they, they typically have a group of employees that they've, they've come to care for over, over the years. And so finding a, a buyer that's going to take care of their, their employees is, is one of the most important things to a lot of, of business owners. And sometimes I've seen it even more important than the purchase price. You know, they, wow. they, you know, they feel like an, an obligation to continue to care for those people that have been so loyal and that work for them for, you know, 20 plus years have been a big part of their success. So they want to make sure that they sell the business to somebody that's going to, to see the value in the employees that they have and continue to carry that forward and provide opportunities for them in the future. And certainly that's one of the reasons we keep business sales so confidential, you know, is because, you know, employees, um, human nature, you know, the people react different ways to all the unknowns associated with the business sale. And, um, you know, employees are one of the most valuable resources. So um, people want to keep them intact. And, and, and there's also a, a lot of people think that business owner or business buyers are going to come in and just replace the employees. And you know, that's not the case. Uh, business buyers are buying the business because of the employees and they want to see them yeah. stay and they want to, you know, they have a lot of knowledge and experience and, um, you know, they want to continue that going forward. So, I think that's one of the most important pieces that um, with, with sellers, that that's really an important aspect. Um, aside, of course, from the purchase price. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally agree to that. And, uh, and, the, and, and the numbers matter, but I think, you know, in, in even in Nick and I's conversations with business owners that we've had, 
I think you're spot on. I mean, the relationship between owner and employee and making sure that those folks are taken care of really probably in my experience is number one, even, even more often than not than, than purchase price. Yeah. It's just uh, when we see the value systems align between the seller and the buyer, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's almost a sure deal because it's, you know, we know that we, we found the right match and it's just a really easy transition. And we actually see sellers, you know, that, that may not be as open to negotiating on terms once they find a buyer that really aligns with their value systems. Um, both parties become yeah. more open to really reaching a compromise and, and negotiating a deal that, um, that both are happy with. So we love those win-win deals, those win-win opportunities. Oh, yeah. It takes a while, but we can typically find the right, the right buyer. Yeah, that's got to be a tremendously satisfying feeling at the end uh, when everybody's feeling good and excited about um, the, the future. Um, similar question or staying on sellers, what are some of the things that if somebody's considering selling their business in the next couple of years, what advice would you give to them to make sure that the business uh, looks as good as possible on paper as the business broker, what do you want them doing over the next year or two before they come to you and ask you to list it? Yeah, that's a good question. We typically like to start working with businesses two to three years or even five years before they start making a, oh, cool. a you know a, an exit. And that's you know, if you think about selling your house, home. there's a lot of things that you start doing to get your home ready for sale. It's the same with a business, but typically those things take longer to do with a business than you know, you, you need sometimes a couple of years to accomplish some of the things that, that need to be done to get the most favorable price for the business. So we recommend starting with a business valuation just to get a baseline of where the business is at and what the market will bear. And, and then also understanding the market. There's some industries out there that um, just like the supply, this is the supply and demand. There are some industries that, you know, one year could command a higher multiple and then the, the following year that that may change. So um, you may be in a better position to sell this year because of where the industry is at and the demand for that industry. Um, that could that could be that could be significant on um, impact on the value. But certainly, getting the books and records in order, getting the staffing in order, getting all the policies and procedures in place. Um, those are all the basic elements that we see. You know, and just just getting the business ready to sell, um, maximizing their sales. Um, you know, we, we encourage business owners to continue to really show that growth in the business and really, you know, step up the marketing, um, continue building those relationships, continue um, contracts. Um, if they don't have written contracts, get written contracts in place. Um, make sure all those relationships are secure um, in writing. Um, so the, the, it really is individualized depending upon the business too. There's really a lot of customization that needs to occur but um, um, I think books and records you know we want to be able to, sh to prove that everything is there um, you know if they've been doing some cash sales and or their accounting isn't really accurate you know we want to make sure that it's it's you know, they're, they're showing everything and, and showing the profit on the on documenting all their profit for sure yeah, that that's spot on. And even from a from a banker's perspective, so much of what 
our goal here on on Abundant Journey is it, well, we have an arm that focuses on the financial literacy and the financial acumen, and I think you know, again, having the conversations with the business owners as well, I can't stress enough that one you got to grow and build with the end in mind. And you are talking about that. But the other thing is, is that there are absolutely things you can do to obliterate your profits and obliterate, you know, the saleability or the bankability of your business. Uh, but there's also things you can do to, to really grow it. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity on the table that folks walk away from when they don't bring in folks like you and really lean into the advice and lean in how, how to, how to structure this thing well. And so I, I definitely would encourage folks, you know, um, find advisors and find folks like you, even if it's years before, you know, let's chart a game plan on, where we're going with this thing. And so, so many people are just grinding and they're working hard and they're not forward thinking. And so I think a lot of what you're talking about here is that forward thinking. Yeah. So it, it just really does require a good strategic plan to get there. And um, again, it, yeah. also it's really helping to define their goals. What do they want out of the sale in terms yeah. of a profit? Mm -hmm. you know, what do they want to walk away with and where are they now? So that's why we recommended yeah. evaluation with, as a baseline. Um, totally. And then cool. that, that can guide that. the actions from there. Yep. Game plan and actions and strategy. I love it. Well, I want to transition back to you just a little bit before we, as we walk into the last segment of the show here. So, you know, loved your journey, love the wealth of wisdom. And really, again, knowing that this has been only a handful of years, the growth trajectory of your team and the things that you guys are doing is incredible and it speaks to that hard work. So maybe a couple questions here. Reflecting on your success, what are some things you wish you would have done differently, more of, less of, as you have started this new journey? Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. There's, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think the scaling is is one, probably one of the most difficult challenges for every business. And I think um, knowing when to add the right people, having the resources, feeling comfortable, you know, and that you have enough capital. Um, but really, really, I think the biggest, the most important thing is hiring the right people, um, spending the time really embedding people that you're bringing on um, to your team, making sure they've got the capabilities, they fit within the organization's culture. Uh, and creating that culture is, uh, to me, is one of the most important things. Um, your, your employees that interact with each other, that are going to fit and work together, that, that is really key. Um, and, and education, ongoing education with, with your employees and, and um, something that we highly value and, and put a lot, spend a lot of time on with our employees and just making sure that they're fully educated and competent and, and well-trained and all the latest there's, a, there's always things that are changing technology yeah. um, so making sure that they've got all this all the tools and resources that they need um, but what, what do I do different um, I don't know there's I think um, you know we've been fortunate to kind of grow at a steady pace and um, I um, I, I really can't say what I would do differently 
Totally. No, and, and I think that's that's a great answer. I think you pointed it back to, and so many times I think in in our conversation today, it's been about people. It's it's recognizing that people are, are the center of business. And whether it's relationships and building relationships with buyers or sellers, whether it's your own employees and building systems and equipping them to be successful. Or, you know, it's employees of, of businesses you're selling. Like, it comes back down to people. So I, I love the answer. I think it's great. Uh, another question here, um, you know, 25 years in, in the industry, the medical industry, making the transition now, in many ways, it seems like you're just getting started. Whereas I think a lot of folks where you're at are saying, hey, you know, I'm going to put my foot off the gas. I'm going to coast. I've worked really hard. What is it for you that keeps you going? What is your motivation behind the growing, the drive, the the desire to to keep building? Now, to me, it doesn't feel like work. You know, I think that's that's that that should be the goal for everyone is to find the things that you like to do that that as as an occupation that that really don't feel like work. To me, it's it's uh, it's just been a, a fun journey. And it's, it's been something I've really enjoyed and I continue to enjoy. I have the opportunity to meet new business owners all the time and learn about new businesses. And it amazes me, again, all the, all the creativity out there and, and businesses I never knew even existed. Um, yeah. So, I, I, again, I would just challenge everybody to find and do the things you love. You spend too much time. You know, life is too short. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, let's uh, let's transition here to our gold nugget round. So I got four questions for you, and we ask all of our our guests these, and and so we'll we'll, we'll hit them one at a time here. So we talk a lot at Abundant Journey about the five F's, and I just want you to pick one of these and tell us how you're working to improve this year in this category. So we got family, finance, faith fitness, and future. So pick one of those. Tell us a way you're working at growing this year. Well, um, I say future. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting old as well. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm turning 56 this week. And, and, you know, I, part of what I enjoy about my career is I can take this into retirement and do as much or as little as I want. Um, um, I've, I'm developing a team that you know can essentially run the business, and um, so I'm focused on you know looking at the next 10, 15 years for myself and seeing what you know what does that future hold, what does that look like, and and yep. continue to put the foundation, lay the foundation for that, and um, making sure that all of our folks are are well trained and and really kind of self you know it, at the end of the day you want your business running itself and. Um, so that's really where I'm focused is continuing to put the, the pieces in place and and the people and and continue to focus on on you know there's there's I have a roadmap for what needs to be done step by step but um, so it's to me it's just continuing to follow the plan and and make those little adjustments as you go and and um, stay focused um, on your future. I love that. And, and it, it coincides with everything you've shared. I mean, you got to be forward thinking, you got to have a goal, you got to have a strategy, a plan, and you're doing that. Not Again, you're not only coaching that with business owners and buyers, but you're living that as you're building something special. So 
Next one here, what's a quote or a book, maybe a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you along your journey? Just do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just get it done. How many people I think have the, they have all the things, all everything except the, the courage. Hmm. That's good. No, that's so good. Uh, what's a dream or a goal that you have that you've not been able to make happen yet? Well, I think um, for me, it's just continuing to grow our grow our business. I, there's a certain level of growth that I want to achieve, and um, um, you know, I think also for me, it's education. It's it's there's a lot of work that we do. There's a lot of people. Um, that don't see, don't understand the value that business brokers can bring to them, and so you know we're, we have a campaign to to really to educate business owners a little bit more about the value that we can we can bring to them and how we can help them, you know, maximize what their investment is in their business. Yeah, that's great. Well, last one here. So, at the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for? Um, well, hopefully I've made a contribution to a lot of entrepreneurs and have just served as a, a motivation for people to, to, um, help them grow their businesses. And, um, hopefully I can continue to share my knowledge and my experience with them and, and, you know, any little golden nugget along the way that, that helps, you know, you, sometimes it's the smallest thing that makes, make the biggest difference. And so... Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a it's those kinds of things that, um, and I think also just um, um, you know the fact that we really care about our people, who the people that we serve, the people that we work for. We always want to do the right thing for everyone. So, being an ethical yeah. organization is one of the most important things to me. Yeah, I love that. It is, I think, about your role and what you do in helping business owners sell their business and what that can mean for those folks that are making the exit and the generational wealth that a big exit can create for them and their families. I also think about the opportunity that as a business broker, you're giving to other individuals to grow their wealth through growing a business. And then I think about all the effects for the local community that that business supports and the wealth that that brings. Um, it's, uh, it's a really amazing uh, role that you're in and uh, a highly valuable one. So I'm, I'm grateful for everything that you're doing, grateful for the ways that you're educating uh, others on the value of uh, business brokerage. Um, and I really hope that we'll have uh, listeners to this that will be able to connect with you, whether they're looking to, to sell or to buy. Um, on that note, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, whether that's to follow along or to start talking about um, listing or buying a business? You can always reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to us at 503-820-0063. Or they can certainly contact me by email at dbucklin at tworld.com. And they can, they can check out our website, tworld.com. We've got a number of um, podcasts, videos, a lot of resources on there for buyers and sellers to access. Um, so it's always a great place to start. 
All right, listeners. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we will be back next week with another episode. We'll see you next time.